You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in late night for you. I'll tell you why momentarily, but uh, we're going to talk about last night's two playoff games in the NBA. We're also going to talk about the Mavericks fine that happened for tanking the season at the end of the season. We're going to talk a little NHL playoffs, one of the reasons why it's a late night for me. Uh, And I have more stats on Major League Baseball and the pitch clock, how quickly games are moving compared to seasons past. And then, in case you didn't know, didn't get to it yesterday, USFL versus XFL. The USFL kicked off its second season this past weekend. XFL is in its ninth season. But the USFL did something that I guarantee at some point we're going to see in the NFL And I think it's a brilliant idea. And we'll get to that momentarily. I say late night because when I have the sports daily, I'm now recording that second every night. I do my daily roundup first because I usually don't have to stay up to a certain time to make sure I get a game over before I talk about something. But now talking about sports, you know, I could I have not covered you know, I, I basically I want to watch the games before I go record. And in case you didn't know, last night in the NHL playoffs, the Dallas Stars and the Minnesota Wild went to double overtime, and the game didn't end till about one o'clock Central Time. So I'm not recording this. I didn't do daily roundup early either, so I didn't start recording that till one. It is now one fifty-five in the morning as I record this podcast. So. We'll get to the Dallas Stars game in a second and just NHL playoffs overall uh, at the end of this. But let's get started. Game of the night, again, happened in Sacramento last night. Sacramento Kings go up 2-0 on the Golden State Warriors with a uh, a victory. What was the final on that one? 114-106. It was a, you know, a three-point game with a minute and a half left or four-point game, minute and a half left. And, you know... Uh, This is something to where I don't think Golden State thought they would ever lose both in Sacramento to start the series. I don't think a lot of people thought they'd lose both. You know me, I said I thought they'd go for a – I thought they'd get a split. This is the first time the Golden State Warriors have been down 0-2 in any playoff series since 2007. So this is unfamiliar territory for them. If there is one team that can come back and win four out of the next five games, it's the defending NBA champions. And you know what they say, and it holds true right now. Series doesn't start until the home team loses a game. Well, Sacramento did what they're supposed to do. They have home court advantage. They won both home games. Now Golden State goes home, and they have two home games. If they win both of their home games, then it's a best out of three series. So, until Golden State lose, if Golden State loses one of the next two at home, yeah, I'd say a hell of a lot tougher to come back from three one than down two zero when you got three of the next five on your home court, as Golden State does. They just need to go home and take care of business. They need to win two games. It's not like they lost by thirty on both games to Sacramento. These were both games that they could have won. They didn't. Credit to Sacramento. The Kings beat them twice, and. Golden State obviously has to clean things up. Number one, they have to quit fouling. Number two, they have to find a way 
to not allow so many offensive rebounds because they did a better job defensively last night. And I don't think that they lost the game because Draymond stomped Demonis uh, Sabonis. I don't, that's not why they lost the game, because Draymond didn't play the last seven minutes. Because they cut it, like I said, they cut it to three. It was a three-point game with like a minute and a half, two minutes left. Could have gone either way. They didn't lose because of that. Now, I'm not saying they lost the game in the third quarter, but I think their whole strategy changed when, did you see what happened in the beginning of the third quarter? Golden State committed five fouls in the first minute of 42 of the third quarter. That means every foul for the rest of the quarter, Sacramento was shooting free throws. So clearly you can't be aggressive defensively. And while Golden State fell behind by 12 and 14, then they cut it back down to four or six. I think they trailed by six or eight heading into the fourth quarter. It wasn't like they got blown out and they had developed such a big lead, but when you cannot play aggressively for all, basically 10 minutes of the 12 minutes in the fourth in the third quarter, that really hurt them. And Sacramento took advantage of it. Sacramento is playing better than him, them and have played better than them the whole se- in the first two games. Golden State needs to quit fouling and they quit they need to quit turning the ball over. They had nine turnovers in the first quarter. Then again, so did Sacramento. But it's just maybe it's working Andrew Wiggins back into the starting lineup, but it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He's played great these first two games, but defensively they just seem off. And maybe this is why they went 11-30 and 30 on the road this year. For whatever reason, this team just doesn't play well on the road this year, but they're also one of the best home teams. I think they went 34-7 and seven at home, or or maybe it was 33-8. and eight. I mean, Sacramento's got their work cut out for them, but Sacramento also was the best road team in the Western Conference. So we'll see. If Golden State goes home and holds court, it's 2-2. Golden State knows to win this series, they have to win a road game. They've done it for 27 consecutive series with Clay, Steph, and Draymond on the team. Now, as for the Draymond stomp, you know, obviously Draymond is a lightning rod. He's very polarizing. I listened to his press conference after the game. He said, look, second game in a row, they've held my, they've held my foot. Malik Monk did it in game one. Dematis did it in this game. And if you watch the replay, he clearly grabbed Draymond's foot. I mean, the, there wasn't like a slip or he was on the ground and he grabbed Draymond, Draymond's ankle. Now, maybe he did it on purpose to get Draymond to respond the way he did, which was to stomp on his chest and get a flagrant two and get kicked out of the game. Maybe that's why he did it. And Draymond's just got to be better in that situation. But let's not pretend that Draymond just flew off the handle and did that for no reason. Go watch the replay. It was clear as day. Draymond was going to... Sabonis was on his back, and Draymond, they were going to have numbers on a fast break. So Sabonis just grabbed his ankle and kept him there, and he he couldn't move, so he just stomped on him with the other foot. You know, So shouldn't have done it. Maybe Sabonis did it on purpose to see if Draymond would snap, and he did. But I don't think that's the reason Golden State lost the game. Golden State lost the game because they turned the ball over way too much, and they fouled way too much. And yet they were right there, both games, right there. Two minutes left in the game. It's a one-possession game in games one and two. 
I said I said it before the series. Now I thought they'd get a split. I thought they'd win one of them, but all Sacramento did was hold court, which is what you're supposed to do: is win all your home games. If they win all their home games in the series, they're winning the series. But this is far from over. This is the defending NBA champions going up against a team that, if it gets to a game six or it gets to a game seven, are they Sacramento Kings going to be able to play as loose as they've been playing the first two games? We'll see. But clearly, Golden State has to win three and four at home or else they're in deep shit. So we'll look for that. And the other game last night, Philly, uh, you know, didn't play well in the first half. We're trailing at halftime to Brooklyn, and then they came out and blew the doors off them in the second half, outscored them by 20, almost 20. And they're up 2-0, and maybe, maybe Brooklyn gets a game at home, but this is probably ending in five. Three games tonight. As we've got, which games are tonight? Oh, Atlanta, Boston, New York, Cleveland, Clippers, Phoenix. Clearly, Phoenix doesn't want to go down 0-2 with both losses at home. The Knicks, Cleveland doesn't want to go down 0-2 with both losses at home. So you got to think that Cleveland and Phoenix are money line plays tonight. Uh, But like I said, the Clippers are a tough team on the road. I've seen it with my own two eyes two years ago where the first six games of the series against the Dallas Mavericks, the road team won. And then game seven was back in L.A. and the Clippers won. But that was the only home team to win all series at home. So, yeah, keep that in mind. I mentioned yesterday the Dallas Mavericks were ended up getting fined $750,000 by the NBA for how they handled the second-to-last game of the season where they basically just rested everybody to keep the 10th pick in the draft, which, assuming the other three lottery teams below them, 11, 12, and 14, don't win the lottery and get to move up, which would bump Dallas to 11, which would make them lose their pick, Dallas is going to have the 10th pick in the draft, and that's the reason they sat everybody. Everybody knows it. They're, they're not hiding anything. Those guys weren't all injured. So the NBA fined them $750,000. That's great. Do you really think a team that if Mark Cuban put the Dallas Mavericks up for sale right now, they'd probably sell for f- five, six, maybe $7 billion? Do you really think $750,000 fine is going to deter anything? Will change anything? Wouldn't it, If the whole point of the Dallas Mavericks sitting their six players was so they could hold on to the 10th pick in the draft, wouldn't the penalty that would make more sense be you don't get the 10th pick in the draft anymore? <laughs> wouldn't that make the most sense? $750,000? What's Mark Cuban's net worth? A quick Google search says Mark Cuban is worth $5.1 billion. Do you really think he gives a shit about a $750,000 fine for his basketball team? when he was making a clearly making a business decision to punt on the season, not care about making the playoffs so they can keep their 10th pick in the draft. It just, it just, it's laughable that the NBA and look, like, you know, me, I'm a Maverick season ticket holder and I'm saying they got away with murder here. They should have gotten their pick taken away because yes, while other teams do tank, they do it way less discreetly than that one. (laughs) Two games left in the season, and they had a chance to make the playoffs, and they sat everybody. And yet, they got fined 750000 bucks. 
I don't care if you find them $5 million. Yeah, they'd be a hefty fine, but like I just said, Mark Cuban, net worth $5.1 billion. I don't think he cares. Poor example set by the NBA. Basically saying, yeah, we know you basically tanked on purpose to keep your pick. We're just going to find you money just so you, I don't know. I don't even know why they find them money. What's the point of finding them 750? Because if they're in the exact same position next year and they do it again, what are you going to do? Find them 750 again? Clearly they don't care about your fine. <laughs> they sit their players so they can keep their 10th pick. How about the penalty be you don't get that 10th pick anymore because we knew you tanked the game on purpose so you could keep that pick. Doesn't make any sense. Just a bad look by the NBA. All right, got some baseball to go over here. You know me. I'm loving the pitch clock. I'm loving everything that it that comes with it. Here are some really interesting things about how well the pitch clock is going. 30% of Major League Baseball games this year have ended in the range between two hours and two and a half hours. Over the past few years, that number, the percentage of games that lasted between two and two and a half hours was 3%. It's at 30% this year. From 2018 through last season, so five seasons, 18, 19, 20, even though 20 was only a 60-game season, 21 and 22, the percentage of nine-inning games that went three and a half hours or longer had ranged from 9% all the way up to 19%. Through last Thursday, there's only been two nine-inning games that long this year. Two games. But for the last five years, between 9 and 19% of the games played in Major League Baseball, nine-inning games were going three and a half hours or longer. We've had two in three weeks. The standard for nine-inning games ending in the range of three to three and a half hours has generally been 46 to 47%. So most games in Major League Half the games, basically, in Major League Baseball over the last five years were between three and three and a half hours. This year, that's only 11%. So, I mean, I hope you've been watching baseball. Last night, the Texas Rangers beat the Kansas City Royals 4 nothing, and the game lasted two hours and two minutes. Just zipping by. I absolutely love it. It is amazing now to think about it. And it is pretty amazing to think, why did it take so long to do this? You know, I, we've been saying baseball has been dying for five, ten years and just getting their ass handed to them by pro football and college football once September rolls around. Nobody cares about baseball. And, it, it, I mean, congratulations that they finally did do something. you got to give them credit. But now that we're seeing the results and we're seeing how well this is working – you start wondering, why didn't they do this earlier? What took them so long? I, I guess we'll never we'll never know for sure why it took them so long to do this. But they did, and things are great. So the reason I started recording this so late was because, like I said, the Dallas Stars and Minnesota Wild went to double overtime tonight here in Dallas. 
I wanted to watch the full game before I came on to do the daily roundup. And the Stars, unfortunately, lost in double overtime to the Wild 3-2. to two. So they're out down 0-1 in their series, and I don't know when game two is. It's either Wednesday or, or Thursday. But I was looking at – I was talking about this the other day when I was talking about NHL playoffs, and I said, look, you think Major League Baseball playoffs are a coin flip. I mean, hockey is about as coin flip as you can get when it comes to the playoffs because the biggest thing is it's so low scoring. So there's just not – you know. way more games like that. You're not getting 15 to 12 games in hockey. You know, it just doesn't happen. So when the scoring is so low, clearly an underdog has a chance to win the game a hell of a lot more than they do in an NBA game or an NFL game or college football or whatever, any playoffs. It's just the way it is. Now, the Boston Bruins set the record this past season for most wins in a season and most points ever. No team has ever scored as many points as the Boston Bruins did this season. No team has won as many games as the Boston Bruins did this season. So they won the president's trophy, which is most points. But since they started doing the president's trophy, 36 years, they've had the president's trophy. Only eight teams out of the 36 that were the best team in the regular season ended up winning the Stanley cup. So it just goes to show less than 25% of the teams that were the best team over the course of 82 games ended up winning it all. So not saying that doesn't bode well. I'm not saying that Boston can't win it. They won game one last night. I believe it was three to one. But it doesn't guarantee anything. Nor does anything in the regular season for any other sport, really, because if it did, then they would just award the World Series winner to the team with the best record or award the NBA championship to the team with the best record. We know that doesn't happen. But in hockey, eight out of 36 years goes to show very, very tough to win. And with it so low scoring, you're just – the amount of times – there was a team that won the President's Trophy within the last five years, I believe – maybe eight years, that got swept in the first round. So, you know, um, the only teams to win um, the Stanley Cup in the same year they won President's Trophy were the 86-87 Oilers, the 88-89 Calgary Flames, the 93-94 Rangers, the Dallas Stars in 98-99, the Avalanche, in 2001, the Red Wings in 0102 and 07 and 08, and the Blackhawks in 2012-2013. So the last 10 teams that had the best record in the regular season did not win the Stanley Cup. Just keep that in mind when watching the playoffs this year. So, and also, since Detroit won the Cup in 07-08, Only three regular season champions, only three President's Cup winners have made it through the final round of the playoffs. So, look, it's not easy. Not saying Boston can't do it, but definitely odds against them. Although they are a juggernaut, I will say that. Because, yes, they led with most points, but this is the most points in the history of the NHL. So all those other ones were just most points in the league for that particular year. 
this Boston team just set a record. They won more games than any NHL team has ever won in a regular season before and also scored the most points or had the most points. So maybe that's different, and maybe Boston does win the whole thing. But, man, tough loss last night for the Stars. I know a lot of you don't care. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Bad bounce at the end of the game. Dallas tried to clear it, went off somebody's stick, went off somebody's foot, bounced right in front of the net. The guy basically just popped it in. Uh, and Jake Oninger, Dallas Stars goalie, couldn't really do much at that point. But, yeah, just a bad, bad hop. Dallas had their chances. And uh, Minnesota stopped a bunch of power plays, and that was the reason why they won. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to end with this. Did any of you watch the USFL this past weekend? Probably not. I'm guessing you didn't because most of you aren't watching the SFL, so don't really know why you'd turn into the, tune into the USFL. However, the USFL, the one thing, I think one of the things that people have said for years in the NFL with all the new technology and how they can review things and, oh, my God, did he get two feet down? And, oh, he got his toe inbounds right by the sideline, and we can tell this all by technology. Yet one of the more important things in the NFL is whether or not somebody gets a first down. And our technology on first down is to have a, you know, for the most part, some 70 or 80-year-old guy holding holding a something on the sidelines and then running out in the middle of the field and stretching out a chain. Like everyone has said for years, like, we've got all this technology, yet signaling measuring whether a team got a first down or not is the most antiquated thing in the world. Well, we've heard rumors about, well, why don't you just put a chip in the ball, just like in tennis? We know where the ball lands, if it lands in or it lands out. Well, the USFL did it. You probably didn't know this unless you saw it. They have a chip in the ball. And right when a person, there was a couple instances this past weekend, I couldn't tell you the names of the teams because I don't follow USFL. But I will be looking for this because I know people, I know websites out there will cover it. But somebody caught like a slant on third down and it was right at the marker. And they immediately just went to a replay. A computerized thing showed up on screen and showed how far the ball got. And it had reached the uh, marker and gave them a first down. They didn't have to go under a hood to go look at it. You didn't have to converse with any of the other officials on the field. Like I said, I don't think anybody's, you know, I, I, I like that they're giving players an opportunity. And these guys, you know, maybe somebody gets picked up and they make it to the NFL and all this stuff. And, and, and it'd be a great story. But nobody's like getting invested in the USFL and the XFL and they're going to become your favorite team and you're going to follow them for so long. You're going to go to all the games. It's just, it's just, it's exhibition football. It's not great football. It's not the NFL. But. They do do things that make the technology. It's almost like the minor leagues for the NFL. They're trying things out down there, and let's see if it works in the NFL. And I'm telling you, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it's like, why not? Why not have a chip in the football? And we can do away with the most antiquated way to find out if somebody got a first down, just run out on the field, these old men, and they're, they're going to stretch out a chain? Like, that's the best way? USFL is like, yeah, we're just going to put a chip in the ball and we'll know exactly where the ball is. <laughs> I mean, seems pretty simple, but will the NFL adopt it this year? Probably not. 
Do I think they eventually will adopt it? I think they have to, especially if it continues to work in the USFL. But congratulations to all the teams in the USFL and XFL. I, I couldn't tell you who's good, who isn't, who's on what team. No idea. But they are bringing some new technology to the game, which I think the NFL will eventually adopt. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. It is now 2.18 in the morning. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. The Daily Roundup should be in your uh, Reality C podcast feed if you're interested in that. That is up. And we're back tomorrow yet again with another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.